Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I'm J.P. Motor. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. J.P., how you doing today, man? Man, I am doing fantastic. Rob, happy five-year anniversary. Come on. Man, what a way to celebrate. Folks, during this fantastic, I just want to say five years, ten seasons, 200 plus episodes. Yeah. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? $700 million. That's right. <laughs> you wouldn't even believe it. Yachts and retirement homes yeah. everywhere. All over the place. And I can think of no other artist that we've geeked out as much about getting as the guy that we're speaking with today. Absolutely. Uh, in an artist spotlight. Arguably one of the best, if not the best, bass player ever. Stuff with Talis, Mr. Big, Winery Dogs, David Lee Ross, Steve Vott. Rob, tell them who we're hanging out with today and let's play some clips. Today we're hanging out with the great greatest rock bassist in history billy sheehan yeah let's yeah. start with a little crystal clear from the new album by talus Yes. That's amazing. And if you're not familiar with that side, we're going to hit so many other things. As a matter of fact, why don't we just play you? This is just, this is from Billy's 2006 Prime Cuts album, a space solo from Buffalo in 1994. This is just Billy doing everything in the entire universe. Check it out. a machine gun. That's a bass guitar. That's right. <laughs> what in the world? I'm going to stop, but that's a six-minute track. <laughs> and listen to that whole track. It's like a master class in what's possible for yeah. a rock bass. If, if you grew up learning guitar articulations 
from a tablature book, you uh-huh, know what I mean, like yeah. we did. That's like a showcase of every little special marking, <laughs> fingering, and technique that you've ever learned uh, all in one. Modes, harmonics, hammers, both natural and artificial pull-offs, hammer-ons, bends, arpeggios, four-finger, two-handed, <laughs> multi-pickup, multi-amp goodness. That's right. That's the essence of Billy Sheehan. Leave the restraint to Nathan East and Leland Sklar. <laughs> Billy Sheehan is here to shred every note, fire on every cylinder, and leave you gasping for air. That's good. I love that. That is my bio of Billy Sheehan That's in, good. in the short. If you like that concept, but you may not be as familiar, play a little Addicted to That Rush by Mr. Big. Yes. Let's hear a little of this. <laughs> if you're like, where's one? There's one. <laughs> Yes, that's doubled. Him and Paul. Uh, Holy cow. Yes. And if you're like, how do I know Mr. Big, but not that? Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> let's just say, well, you know what, though? If you don't know that one, yeah, got- let's go. Let's move on to the next thing. Let's, uh, why don't we, I don't know, what should we, maybe a little uh, guy you may have heard of. We've mentioned him a time or two on the podcast. That would be David Lee Roth. Let's do a little Yankee Rose Yankee from Rose. Eat em and Smile. Yeah. If you know a David Lee Roth solo song, it's probably Yankee Rose. So let's let's check that out for a second. And get ready. We're going to play lots of clips today, guys. Lots this of clips. This is going to be way more clip heavy than uh, we are. Normally. Billy's career can't just be contained in one little clip. So we're going to play lots of clips from lots of different artists. Here's a little Yankee Rose. Well, let me roll up onto the sidewalk and take a look. Yes. Whoa. She's beautiful. I'm talking about a Yankee Rose. <laughs> and she looks We'll talk about that guy in a second, too. Great chorus. Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Let's get into some talk here yeah, for a minute. But that's like half the artists we're going to talk that's about right. today uh, in, in connection with Young Master Billy Sheehan. Um, so the, but I got to say this because this just came up on Apple Music when I was playing that. This is part of the uh, the Apple Music write-up on that uh, on that album, which is Eat Him and Smile by David Lee Roth. It says, the reason David Lee Roth remains one of history's greatest frontmen is that he was never a singer at heart. He was instead more a combination carnival barker, cabaret act, and car salesman. <laughs> Roth will sell you a great show regardless of musical content. That is absolutely that's the good. truth. Like that's such a funny, such a funny way to put that. Okay. So Billy Sheehan, arguably and almost not arguably, right? The greatest hard rock basis uh-huh. of all time. I think that is without question, you would say He's in a conversation. The greatest. The greatest hard rock, right? I mean, you talk about. I mean, listen. You can go Wooten. You can go that funk. But Wooten's not a hard. I'm saying hard rock that's guy. a different style. Yeah. Like you can put him in that category. You can put different bass players in different categories. But in terms yes. of hard rock, but in terms of hard rock, I think it's Billy's Sheehan like, hands yeah. down. Um, and uh, and he is definitely among the greatest to ever pick up that instrument. Um, and so getting the getting the chance to talk to him was just like super incredible for us but if this episode feels a little bit all over the place it's because we literally couldn't just go well let's talk about that one song yeah you know um so okay he he plays a well you'll probably talk about what he plays go ahead you're good okay he plays a yamaha attitude bass uh which is his signature model it's modeled after his original fender precision bass which he heavily modified to get certain tones and options that he wanted including scalloping the upper i think the five highest frets um, adding an additional neck pickup and a separate output line for that pickup, which provides a really heavy low end. And we let him talk when we talked to him about it. We asked him about the the add and the pick the pickup and the additional support. I think we talked about that. For yeah, the neck and the I think so. Yeah, and uh, his uh, original uh, Fender Precision Bass, which his Yamaha signatures are modeled off of, is nicknamed the Wife. Uh, and he actually picks it up in the interview. Oh, he, dude, or, so cool. And um, but uh, I think he point. No, he, he plays po- he. Maybe points at that one and picks up a different one. Yeah, so one of the one or the other. But anyway, it was called the wife because he it was always with him. Like they got the nickname because like he's answering the door with this bass on. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> and so it got the nickname the wife. Um, he uses two amps live. One distorted with the low end rolled off. That's just giving off you know higher frequencies, and then one clean, full of monster low end, but clean. Um, he has been voted the best rock bass player five times by Guitar Player Magazine. He is in the Buffalo Music Hall of Fame, uh, being a native of Buffalo, New York. And really, I didn't think about I didn't think about calling his style this in this context because only because it's bass. If this was anybody else, this is one of the first words that would come to mind. But the term shred. Yeah. Right. He's a yeah. shred guitarist. Yeah. On, on bass. bass. Yeah. Um, he's a bass shredder. Yeah. He's a bass shredder. And so I found a nice little quote uh, by Steve Vai, who we'll mention several times uh, over the course of this episode. Um, Steve Vai, of course, is one of the, you know, gu- not shred seems uh, is is almost a uh, diminutive term. Like he's one of the absolute. You hear shred, you just think I'm going to play fast, but like he does smart and weird stuff like he's not just a shredder right yeah he's like one of the guitar virtuosos of all time um but anyway but his he had a good definition for the term shred he said the terminology used for someone who can play an instrument and has such a tremendous amount of technique that what they do just seems completely effortless and absurd it's like this burst of energy that just comes out in extremely fast 
uh, tearing kind of playing where the notes actually connect. Shred has to have a particular kind of tied to it, I think, that actually gives you that blow away factor that makes it impressive to a certain degree. And that is exact. I mean, that is Billy Sheehan's playing yeah. for sure, right? Um, and we didn't even think to t- talk about the fact this is being our five-year anniversary. We're going to talk... These are people that we like. Yes. Like, this is our, this may, episode may be more so for us That's than right. some of y'all. We hope y'all enjoy the ride, but this is super fun for us. Yes. Like, we have completely geeked out about this. Exactly. Milestone episodes that are like, you know, every 50 episodes or so, you know, or, or, or every year anniversary. Mark. We just do, a, we don't like, we don't really super care if you know who we're talking about <laughs> or love who we're talking about or whatever. Like, these, we do these for us, you know? So, uh, the, being, being able to put Billy in that, in that category was uh, a lot of fun. Let's talk a little talus because that is yes. the, the most immediate Billy Sheehan you're getting. Let's um, let's play the Meet the Band jingle because I okay. wanted to introduce one of the mini bands. Okay, and I'll just say names so okay. that way we'll introduce. Let's meet talus and let's talk about talus. Okay, great. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the For the sake of time, and because we're going to talk about a lot of people, I'm just going to list the people that play in Talus. Okay. Um, so we've obviously talked about Billy on bass, who we're going to talk with at the end. Mark Miller on drums, and actually they recorded a large portion of this album um, in his living room, uh, the 1985 album, which is what Crystal Clear that we played at the beginning is from. Um, they recorded a lot of that in his living room. Um, on guitar, Kirk Nando- Nandowski, I believe is how you pronounce the name. Sure. Um, I just call him Kirk, but there Duke, Duke and freaking Tread. Nando. Nando, there you go. Um, it might be Nandowski, probably Nandowski. Um, on vocals, um, Phil Naro, he actually passed away shortly after the recording of these vocals. Um, and we'll talk a little bit. We talk with, with Billy and Rob can touch on one of the tracks on the album um, that is uh, transcribed for Phil um, in a different way that's kind of neat. Um, and so that is the Talus Band. Um, that's right. So Talus started in Buffalo. Um, with uh as billy's first like regular band um with dave constantino on guitar and paul varga on drums and lead vocals being shared kind of between all three the first talus album was released in 1979 um and they gained their first sort of national exposure opening for van halen in 1980 they opened for van halen for 30 shows uh but still remained independent didn't didn't get signed off that you know that burst of uh exposure billy reformed talus with drummer mark miller guitarist Mitch Perry, and vocalist Phil Naro, and they released uh, what would be their final album at the time, which was called Live Speed on Ice. Um, That would be until right now with the September 23rd release of the album 1985 by Revived Talus. We were fortunate enough to get an advanced copy of this, but you can now enjoy it in its full glory. It's out for you to hear, um, and uh, it's dope, dude. And it's great. The the album cover alone is going to tell you everything you need to know. It's this beautiful wrecked DeLorean uh-huh. uh, and it has a, a license plate on it that says 1985 and it's wrecked and dinged up and there's tires and there's like stuff growing on it and you know Perfect. whatever doors are wide open uh-huh. you know winged up um, but basically they had these you know these tracks and uh, Billy's going to talk about it but they you know had these tracks and they were like this would have been the next thing this would have been 1985 for us um, if uh, Talus hadn't sort of disbanded um, and so why don't we go from there 
Do you want to play? Let's play something else off of this well, 1985 say, album. Let's start. A, since we're talking about Talus, their very first track um, is called Seesaw off the first the first Talus album. It came out in 1979, and you can already hear what is to come. With like, if you go to let's go to about minute two. Okay. Um, it, first of all, you'll notice how high the bass is in the mix, and so you know this is going to be a bass-driven <laughs> album. And listen to the bass harmonics on this song, a song called Seesaw. So this is the first thing that Talus ever put out, and so you know this is what you're about to get. His tone. Yeah. You, you go immediately, you know who that is. So punchy. It's such a heavy bass. Yeah. That it sounds like multiple people, you know? It's even spread across the stereo field. If you're listening to headphones. Jump ahead to about two, minute two. There we go. Just madness, just absolute, just grit, and it's like it's like um, you know it's it's like Eddie Van Halen and Mel Shocker from Grand Funk <laughs> had a baby. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's good. I, it's like just this insane, insane combination. So Talos releases this 1985 album. They're time traveling back in time to 1985. Because here's what happened in 1985, okay? Let's time travel ourselves a little bit. It's 1985. Welcome. I hope you brought your um, parachute pants. (laughs) David Lee Roth and Van Halen have split. Give me a Pepsi free. (laughs) You want a Pepsi, kid? You're going to pay for it. Uh, All right. So David Lee Roth and Van Halen have split. David Lee Roth is ready to make the next move and try and strike first and come out on top in the breakup, right? And he assembles one of the all-time craziest bands you could possibly imagine. Um, Billy Sheehan on bass, Greg Bissonette on drums, and Steve Vai on guitar. An absolute haymaker of a, of a band. Yeah. One of the greatest, like, assembled bands of all time. Yeah. I mean, literally, like, there for virtuosity alone, you probably could not assemble a, a more impressive band. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, they each are like the best at their instrument in their own right. And yes. then you put them all together. Like. Yeah. And so, um, so they are the, the eat them and smile band. They are the, you know, um, played with Dave on his next two solo albums. That would be, um, eat them and smile and skyscraper. Um, but, um, but eat and smile is considered one of those like landmark, you know what I mean? It's like the quintessential David Lee Roth album. Um, and the second track on that is called Shy Boy, which is actually Billy's song. Uh, he it's brought a Talis this, song. Yeah, it was, a, it was a, and so Billy brought this to Dave. Uh, let's, so let's play a little bit of that. This is Shy Boy by David Lee Roth.
is like. Let's get weird. Good Lord. Anyway, all right. It's all. It's all. This album is so so fun to listen to with that band. Um, um, I I have to bring up. By the way, so we're talking about Greg Bissonette being the drummer on that. Um, Greg and Matt Bissonette both virtuosos on their instrument. Um, but I have to bring up a particular Greg Bissonette appearance because it was recently like rebrought to my memory. Okay. Um, and I don't know if you know this album or not. I'm not sure. I feel like you probably do. We've probably talked about it. We've probably joked about it before. Uh, but Greg played on uh, a landmark album called In a Metal Mood, No More Mr. Nice Guy by none other than Pat Boone. Yeah. <laughs> you remember this remember, album? Yeah. I remember. Is that, yeah. He was, is that the one where he's wearing the leather yes. vest thing? Pat Boone. Yes. Crooner, right? Like uh-huh. super, like, uh, what do you call it? Like spick and span. You Pl- know. He plays uh, in the movie Cross and the Switchblade. Okay. He's the original David, Wil- not David Wilcock. What's his name? Wilkerson. Wilkerson. Right? Yeah, yeah, David Wilkerson. Okay. So he's like super clean, clean cut, cut yeah. you know, whatever. And he puts out this album called In a Metal Mood, No More Mr. Nice Guy, uh, in which he covers metal classics in a like crooner standards <laughs> yeah. style. Okay. So, um, Let's see. Um, let's l- let me do a, a, cu- a couple here, okay? Here's uh, this one starts. This one's a cheater because it starts with the riff. But this is pretty much the vibe of the whole thing here. This is, of course, Inner Sandman by Metallica. It's freaking amazing. I love this. Say your prayers, <laughs> Forget my sign to include everyone. I okay. All right. Um, <laughs> I love it so much. Speaking of David Lee Roth, we've got a little... Guitarist was like, I'm gonna have to buy a distortion pedal. I don't even own one. <laughs> it's pretty tight, still. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> the album itself, it like this is what I said the other day when I was talking to my kids about this. I was like, you guys have no idea, but like. <laughs> <laughs> 
But if he put out this album now, if it, this album was just 25 years too early, yeah. like if he put this out now, it would be celebrated. Yes. You know what I mean? He got blasted for uh-huh, this album. I remember that. He had organizations dropping him as sponsors. Well, we carried him big- at Pathway. I worked at a Christian bookstore yeah. at the time, and we carried him, but we wouldn't carry this album. Yeah. Like we carried yes. all his other stuff, and people would come in and be like, you have Pat Boone? Yeah. yeah. And I'd be like, sorry, we don't have that one, but yeah. here's this. Yeah, exactly. Here, here's right. Pat, I don't want that. Here's I'll Pat want- Boone sings the red back. <laughs> I want, yeah. <laughs> I, no, I want him doing You've Got Another Thing Coming yeah. and Smoke on the Water and, <laughs> you know, all this stuff. No more Mr. Nice Guy. All right, I got one more for you. See if you can spot this one. Let's see here. This one actually kind of has a rock groove to it. Um, but uh, let's let's skip ahead here. Here we go. Then it gives way to the jazz. Holy diver. <laughs> Sing it, Pat. <laughs> Say the line. Ride the tiger. You can sing stripes, but you know he's clean. Oh, don't you see what I mean? It's so good. Anyway, <laughs> but anyway, if you've never checked out the album, I encourage you to check it out. So that's Greg Bissonette on drums for that whole album. That's how we got here. Uh, I had to get us a little bit off track because I didn't know when I was going to get a chance to talk about this, this again. And I didn't want to forget. We go then from the David Lee Roth era, unless you've got more on the David Lee Roth I'm good. band You're era. Good, okay, I, I got some notes. But we, most of the stuff about that, a lot of the stuff we ask him in the interview. So I'll try to keep okay. it moving. All right. So then the next big era for Billy is with Mr. Big. Uh, let's camp out on Mr. Big for just a minute here. So if you know Mr. Big, it is for the following song. Or if you know them for nothing else, you mm-hmm. know them for the yep. following song. Hold on, little girl. Show Sing along. Oh, man. Go ahead. Stand up, little girl. This song already has a hand under my shirt. That's awesome. You know what I mean? That's so good. This song, this song is wearing cut-off jean shorts and has a hand up my shirt. <laughs> That's funny. Deep inside, I hope you're feeling too. This is, of course, to be with you. The huge song. Okay, so. To be with you was like massively huge. It went to number one in fifteen countries in nineteen ninety two, um, and they, you know, Mr. Big may be known more in the states for that kind mm-hmm. of soft ballad, but that's crazy when you think about their original lineup. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the original guitarist was Paul Gilbert, who is a shred genius master. Just look him up. I mean, he's insane. Um, we might have even played. One of his tracks with Martin Miller. I can't remember when we did a Martin Miller episode. We might have played a Paul Gilbert with track. Him, but- yeah. Uh, but anyway, Paul Gilbert, like, Shredmaster. Um, and he was replaced in 1999 by Richie Kotzen, who we've talked about at length on our Patreon exclusive, hello, Poison episode on the song Stan. Uh, if you want to, if you want to uh, gain some access to that, just support us on Patreon. That's all you got to do. Um, but anyway, which he, he wrote. Uh, and we'll see Richie Kotzen again before we're done here today, too. Um, and so, and then you've got just this massive band, like, so to Pat be Torpy with you, on drums, Eric yeah. Martin on vocals. I, I really like him as a vocalist. Yeah. So it's one of those, you either love him or hate him kind of thing. And yeah. I'm on the love side. Um, yeah. And they're, 
but like you said, that's not Mr. Big. Right. That is the furthest thing from Mr. Big. Yeah. We played Addicted to That Rush at the beginning. Exactly. That's much more indicative of like who Mr. Big really is. But my favorite song by them is probably Daddy, Brother, Lover, Little Boy. If you'll look that one up, that's the first track off of uh, off of uh, Lean Into It. I love this song. The there it riffs. is. Oh, so good. Parentheses, the electric drill song. There you go. Dude. Uh, yeah, that's Mr. Big. That is Mr. Big. Love I this mean, song. That's just stinking rock and roll, you know. And my favorite power ballad of theirs is not "To Be with You." Okay. It's Green Ten and Sixties Mind. Love this song because of uh, obviously their vocals are highlighted extremely strong on "To Be with You," but their vocals on this, ah, oh, so good. Yes. Golly. That's how you do a ballad <laughs> yes. that is thick. This this is a power ballad that is more power than ballad. Yes. Oh, dude. And live, yes. their vocals are just as strong live. Yeah. Which is- All strong vocalists. Billy, very strong vocalist. Um, so that's that. I was going to play another clip, but you, co- you covered it. Um, they're... Th- their latest album, so Mr. Big has kind of been off and on for a while, um, but uh, their latest album was 2017's Defying Gravity. Um, there's a really funny track on there called 1992 that's basically like, well, I was on top in 1992. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so it's a, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek, tongue-in-cheek track. Mr. Big is the literal definition of big in Japan, yeah. of being big in Japan. Like, literally, this is not, I'm not kidding Literally, if you look up the phrase big in Japan, the picture in the Wikipedia article is Mr. Big. That's awesome. Like, that's not a joke. Um, There's few, if any more, shining examples of it than them. Like, you know, here they have hardcore fans and, and like, prog appreciators in general, you know, know them. um, But they've always been, like, mainstream huge in Japan, and they've done multiple out live albums in Japan, you know, huge tours, and have, have never waned in popularity there. You know what I mean? Here, it was like grunge kind of took over and, and took some steam from a lot of these types of bands, uh, but um, but not in Japan. Like, yeah. you know, it wasn't like that. Other acts, by the way, who were like as big or bigger in Japan than in North America. I just listed a few here. Neil Sadaka, The Runaways, okay. um, Scorpions. 
and uh, Spinal Tap. Let's go with Spinal oh, Tap. Oh, right? yeah, there we go. And get this one, Irish musical group, the Nolans, who are virtually unknown in North America. Do you know the Nolans? I don't know the Nolans. Sold over 12 million records in Japan, outselling the Beatles, Michael Jackson, Adele, and Ed Sheeran combined. Holy cow. They also became the first international act to have all their releases hit number one in the country, as well as the first to hit number one on both the Japanese domestic and international charts. That's awesome. What's that? And we've never heard of them, the Nolans. Never even heard of them. Wild. Um, the so y'all term, pick up any of raw like sushi and you'll love it. That's yeah. their live in Tokyo stuff. Yes, it's exactly. Awesome. Um, the term big in Japan also gets used to describe pro athletes, by the way, who find success in Japan after leaving their stateside counterparts. Can you think of any of those? Like who were like, I think of like when Cecil Fielder played in Japan for a while. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean? Good. Or stuff like that. Tom Selleck, you know. That's right, Mr. So, Baseball. Mr. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot um, about that. <laughs> and uh, the opposite <laughs> phrase is a thing, too. Small in Japan acts who are huge otherwise, including ACDC, Adele, like don't, they, they don't, don't really do have well, an they. audience in Japan. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It's just strange. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's go to the next stop on the Billy Sheehan, like, torpedo train of madness. Uh, and that would be Niacin. Um, Niacin is a jazz fusion super trio of Billy Sheehan, keyboardist John Novello, and legendary funk fusion drummer Dennis Chambers. Um, let's play a little. This is called Elbow Grease by Niacin. This is going to just, I don't know what it's going to do. Goodness gracious, yes. The Billy's just going ham. There's so much happening. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. That's amazing. That's, that's a little niacin. Niacin puts the... Uh, B3 organ up front as like the lead instrument uh, with a hard rock edge, you know, very, very distorted. And uh, the B3 can be a really mean instrument. Um, And so that's just a whole other level of like musicianship. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like in a different side of Billy's playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like this got this, it's got this hard rock edge, but it's also very jazz funk fusion. Smart. They, They did some like Chick Corea stuff and like, you know, just, just crazy. So that's Elbow Grease by Niacin. Um, All Ni- you snarky puppy fans, check out some Niacin. Yes. You'll be happy with what you find. Yes, there you go. Um, and Niacin, by the way, I think I think the name Niacin comes from, it's connected somehow to the B3 vitamin. Like okay yeah so i i can't i can't remember exactly what it is but it's a you know it's a that's a good time um chemical blah 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 anyway it's connected to the b3 uh okay then we get to winery dogs um yeah winery dogs would come next and winery dogs is a uh hard rock power trio formed in 2012 comprised of billy sheehan the aforementioned richie cotson and dream theater founder uh mike portnoy on drums i mean come on they, just think about those three names I just said again. I'm not even going to repeat them. But here's here's a it's more of a classic rock influence uh, on the Winery Dogs than you might expect, um, being those you know those three guys. But like, uh, it's this group of like, um, it, it, it's of all Billy's projects, it's this group that you would go to a concert and hear them cover "Fooled Around" and "Fell in Love." 
You know what I mean? Uh, or like something by the Beatles or something like that. So, but anyway, this is a track called The Other Side from their debut album, The Winery Dogs. It's just drums. <laughs> That's bass. Cotton on vocals and guitar. Just that big, happy chorus. Love that. All right, so that's the other side from uh, the debut album. And then if you want to revisit some of that DLR band, David Lee Roth vibe, uh, you can check out the opening track, Oblivion, from their second album, Hot Streak. Ah, yes. It's just stupid. Dude, forget it. Yeah, just rock it all day long. I, it's it's so crazy. I just think about, and I mentioned this a little bit in the interview, so I won't spoil it, but like Billy Sheehan literally changed my life. <laughs> right. like, that's not an exaggeration. <laughs> so it's just weird for me to be going through all this, you know what I mean? In the context of us doing this podcast, getting to interview him and being able to, one of the things, one of my favorite things about this show is that we get to give people their flowers. You know Uh what I mean? That's what we talk about is like, this is the thing that we can give back to them Uh is by being able to say to them, you're important to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh Uh, And so being able to like, uh, you know, Billy Sheehan indirectly had a huge influence on my life. Uh, And so it's, just crazy to like it's so cool to get to do this man and go through all this stuff um i went uh i went kayaking the day after we interviewed him and then i got a text from him later in the day and there's nothing there's no feeling like getting a text that says billy sheehan yeah and then a compliment yeah it's like there, there's no feeling yeah like that. it's like what just happened what yes exactly like for for dorks like us you know what i mean and and music industry wannabes and you know whatever like people these are the people we look up to yeah so for them to be like hey i had a good time with you you know what i mean is for you youngsters out there that are like i want to reply to this girl that i like the best way possible do i put an emoji do i put a (laughs) you know do i that's how i was on my response right my wife is like let's leave the parking lot and i sat there for like 12 minutes like (laughs) i was like is this too wordy Yes. I was like, I, that's I don't. it, dude. You send it. You send a screenshot of your proposed text to your friend group. Like, go, how does this sound? How does this sound? <laughs> how am I coming off here? Is this too much? 
That's hilarious. That's uh, amazing. Anyway, um, this this might be a good time. Let's uh, let's do a little five year stump the genius. Whoa, okay, okay. So let's do some. Let's take a pause. We're gonna okay. play stump the genius, and we're gonna do uh, five years of running jokes on stump the genius. Whoa, here we go. Okay, okay. stump the genius, stump the genius, stump the genius. It's time to stump the genius. I take your part. I take your part. Oh, I'm so excited. This will be amazing. All right, guys. So we're going to do five questions, five years of running jokes. Okay. I tried to pick five. Wow. Um, and we're going to see how well Rob can do on Stump the Genius. Okay. What am I, what am I, what am I supplying? You'll, okay. You'll, each right. question's a little different. Okay. okay. All right. Holy Diver. Yeah. Finish the lyric. Ride the tiger. <laughs> yeah. You can see his stripes, but you know he's clean. Uh-huh. What's the next line? Oh, don't you see what I mean? Oh, can you see what I mean? Can't you see? That's okay, okay close enough. On the Pat Boone, it says, don't you? So you get credit for that. They, oh, hand me the bell. Where's the oh, bell? Oh, where's uh, the bell? Oh, here it is. You, you can ring yourself. Boom. Ring myself. There All we right. go. One for one. Baker Street. Okay. <laughs> so the chorus is... Definitely the sax part. Yeah. Um, either sing the first line of the verse. Okay. Or the first line of the pre-chorus. Used to think that I could be happy. Is it, it happy? It, it used to think that it was so easy. It but was, oh, wow. That, that's okay. okay. But you got the melody right. Okay. I'm going to give you credit for that. Okay. Right? Yeah, right? Boom. There we so go. That's, should we explain, explain these? Explain the okay. joke. So that goes all the way back to season one, our Don't Stop Believing on Journey, um, where I, I confused mentally... Uh, uh, who's crying? Who's crying night. now? Right with uh, who's crying now? And it's got that. And for some reason, oh, because the laugh line of the pre-chorus is "You're crying, you're crying now." Yeah. And so then I started to sing the sax line when we mentioned "Who's crying now." I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like "Dude, that is not <laughs> like Journey. <laughs> that is Baker Street. <laughs> Baker Street." So. Um, Anyway. And then Holy, where was the first Holy Diver reference? We had somebody go I, go back and look this up earlier. Yeah, somebody found that um, answer. I don't remember, but we I, have had this running Holy Diver thing for several seasons now. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, what is the name of the penguin in Christopher Cross's All Right, I Think We're Gonna Make It? <laughs> that would be Penguino Rodriguez. Penguino Rodriguez. Very good. For those of y'all on that one, uh, the uh, Christopher Cross song, All Right, Think we're gonna make it. If you listen to it, it sounds like all right, Penguin Rodriguez. Right. So, if you're from Mexico, if you're from Mexico, if you're right. from Mexico, so, which is where my, JP's wife is from, and and my dad, my wife's dad agreed, and he loves that that joke now as well. <laughs> all right, Mickey Dolenz is alive. Yeah, Mickey he Dolenz is, is even, alive. No matter how many times we've killed him off, how many of the other three monkeys are alive? None. None. None at can, this point. Can you name all three of them? Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, Peter, Davey, Peter, Peter Tork, uh, Davey. Yeah. Um, Jones. Uh, thank you, Davey Jones. First names are and, good. Yeah. And um, uh, hold on. Peter Tork, Peter, Davey, Mickey. Ooh, uh, uh, face. Um, oh, my gosh. Hold on. You want some help? Hold on. No, I don't. Because I should. This is a thing that I literally know. I'm just blanking on it right now. Um uh, Mike Nesmith. There we there go. We go. Okay. Michael Nesmith. Good job. All right, man. Four for four. Jeez. Give yourself a, wow. a ring. Right. There, there you go. go. Boom. Let's see if we can run the category. <laughs> so you've hit your goal of 80%. Yeah. All right. This one is the last one. This one's a little tougher. So our very first interview was with Billy Vera. Yeah. July. Okay. So okay. episode 1018 or whatever. Yeah. yeah right. 118. 118. Yeah. One, season one we interviewed season Billy Season one Vera? we interviewed Billy Vera. Holy cow. 
What was the first question we ever asked a guest? Oh, dang. Do you remember? It was the, we asked him on the phone line. Yeah. Our first, there's like no, you jump straight in with a question. Wow. Um, and you asked the very first question in interview history. Do you remember what it was? Oh, gosh. There's Let's so see. many things it could have been. Yeah, there's so many. Probably something about, you know, how did you, how did, how did, uh, how did at this moment end up on Family Ties? Okay. It was what are your influences as artists? Who are your influences? Artist, writer, actor. That's like the literal. I, I, we don't even ask that question anymore, yeah. hardly, because it's like the most basic question uh-huh. you can ask. Somebody. We've advanced this question. It's like, yeah, what you, yeah. It's, was that nice? Was that fun? Yeah. <laughs> you remember when you were in the Beatles? That was awesome. Okay, I'll give you a makeup on that. Okay. You gave me a gift that day. When we did the Billy Vera episode, okay. you gave me a gift, and okay. it's an awesome gift. Okay. Do you remember what that gift was? It was the same day. Dang. No, I It's don't. a Bruce Hornsby autographed baseball. Oh, that, that was that same, same day. Same day. Okay. So, but you got your hit at 85, wow. 80%. Nice job. Five years wow. of running jokes on the uh, – five years of history on <laughs> That's my Stump favorite Stuff the Genius ever. That was a fun That's one. Thank you guys fantastic. for joining us on the ride so far. Okay. All right, let's let's follow up here with just a, a one more uh, one more flavor of Billy Sheehan, and that would be his latest project, latest forming project, uh, and that would be Sons of Apollo, um, which is like another sort of prog slash metal super group. Um, you know, we've talked before about how like all these prog guys end up in fifteen bands. Yeah. You know, uh, Doug Pinnock, I swear, has like thirty different groups. <laughs> I'm that he's so in. glad you mentioned Doug Pinnock because I was thinking the whole time we've been talking this could turn into a longer episode with multiple clips playing, and I was like, right. dude, remember when we did all things Kings X? <laughs> yeah. I think that was a landmark anniversary or something like Seriously, that. It was like two and a half hours dude, long. Or something it was like ridiculous. join the ride of Kings. We finished and we were tired. Yeah. I remember we, that day. I was like, man, I'm so tired, and we just did that with the, yeah. Um, okay, so this is a little clip from uh, Sons of Apollo's 2017 album, Psychotic Symphony. This is the track, uh, Coming Home. That would be keyboardist. That's not a guitar. That's Derek Sherinian on keys. Former Dream Theater, Planet X. Tons of prog and heavy rock bands and acts. Played on one of Rob's projects. He did. I have a version of one of my songs with Derek Sherinian on it that I still haven't released. That is vocalist Jeff Scott Soto and guitarist Bumblefoot. Which, if you've never seen Bumblefoot, just go watch him Watch play. him, yeah. yeah. He does crazy stuff on a fretless guitar. like. But obviously, this is leaning into a heavier Yeah, edge. I was about to say, of all the stuff he's done, Billy's been in a lot of heavy stuff, but this is definitely the heaviest. Yeah. And, of course, this is Mike Portnoy again on drums here uh, in Sons of Apollo. There he is. Had to get that lick in. Yeah, that's uh, just I love that so good, much. solid, modern, hard rock. A note on Jeff Scott Soto that you may have said before. Do you have Jeff Scott Soto trivia? I don't know. Okay. I don't okay. A note on Jeff Scott Soto that I either didn't know or forgot. If if I knew this, it's because you told me. Okay. If I didn't know this, then we did both didn't know this. Okay. So Jeff Scott Jeff Scott Soto did vocals with Ingve Malmsteen, a long time with the band Talisman, Trans Siberian Orchestra, um, and 
he was in a little band for about five, six months called Journey. Oh, I didn't know that. He was their vocalist between Steve Augeri really? and Arnell Pineda. I forgot about that. I, for about, I feel like maybe I knew that now that you say that, but I forgot it. Like, he, So it's a kind of a deal where like they, he, he so Augeri started having vocal problems, mm-hmm. couldn't tour, um, and he took over the tour. And then like at the end of the tour or at some point during there, they officially announced that he was their new lead vocalist. And then like, that was in like November, December. And then the following like June or July, they were like, oh, we're parting ways, like whatever, but never gave a reason why Mm -hmm. he's still to this day. Like, I just don't know why they didn't want me to keep going. Like, you know, whatever, but he was officially named. They had press releases and stuff that he, Jeff Scott Soto is the new lead singer of journey. And then they, one day they were just kind of like, eh, Whatever. That sounds so familiar that I feel like I either knew that or we've had this conversation. Yeah. But I don't rem- – like, yeah, I couldn't have put that together. That's so, in- interesting. But imagine that voice right there yeah. singing Singing Journey, faithfully. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he – I mean, he crushed. He was – you know, and he did a great job on the tours and stuff that he yep. did with him. It just – for whatever reason, and, and it's it's literally a mystery. They haven't said he's never found out. Why? Why it didn't continue? So have I, have really, I given you my take that I think Steve Algieri is my favorite? I have heard that. That's <laughs> I love that guy. That's wild, dude. So good. He was with him for a long Pick time. Pick up though. the album Arrival. It is so good. It's the most unheard Journey project ever, and it's amazing. So many of Journey's album titles sound like the they're same. the same album. Yeah, it's like, like is that Escape? Is that Infinity? Is that a right? Who? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know him because I'm a Journey fan, but if you're just, it could be easily ran together. Yeah, it's so weird. Okay. Uh, all right. We haven't even, like, scratched the surface. We've barely, right? I mean, um, you know, Billy's done so much with Steve Vai. Like, Billy and Steve Vai are, like, blood brothers. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They are, like, born to play music with each other on this earth. They are just kindred souls in just about every conceivable way. And they fit together like hand in glove, everything that they do together, yeah. you know, and we talk, we talk with uh, Billy about his kinship with Steve Vai and, and us getting to see them together uh, on one of the G3 tours here in Nashville. And um, so that's, that could be a whole other stuff. Him, his, you know, touring life with Steve Vai and their, their longstanding connection is a whole other thing, but just, um, I, I don't even know how to close this out. It's just been awesome. Well, we still have an interview, so we're going to kick it to that. There you go. Let's let Billy close it out. Um, this has been an amazing five years. You know, um, I mean, think about the world five years ago. You know, it was just our world was so different. We got we didn't get to see each other. We yeah. saw each other maybe once a year yeah. five years ago. And now we see each other once a month. We get to talk to you guys once a week. And, uh, and it's because of this podcast. You know, it's really allowed us to do... And we get to talk to our heroes together. Never imagined that we would, you know, get to do this. So, like, it's amazing. Thank you guys for listening. We say it all the time, but we really appreciate it. We would still do this even if you didn't listen. We did it before you listened, and we'll do it once you're gone. (laughs) But, like... But like seriously, it's really a privilege that you guys listen and give us such you know encouragement and good feedback and and um, to all the artists who have shared this air with us, we so appreciate every single one of you. Um, we know that you're all listening right now. That's right. We know it. So like every episode, especially a five year, like oh, I can't wait to tune into this. Can't wait to tune into that podcast I was on that you know, time. Don McLean is sitting there like this is good stuff. <laughs> Absolutely, Ray Stevens has us <laughs> locked in, dude. <laughs> David Wilcox is just jamming along with us That's right true. now. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's meant so much to us to do this. So as our official sort of sign off for this fifth anniversary episode, I'll just say thank you. Um, if you want to be more of a part of the show, if you want more of the show in your life, you can go to patreon.com 
slash great song pod. If you give us uh, you know, your support there at any level, you get all the bonus goodies that we can possibly think to offer you extra shows, extended episodes, uh, uh, our second show, which is called the catch up with Robin JP, which is a weekly show on, that we do on weekends. That's more focused on music news. And then we also pick up any threads remaining from, you know, from episodes that are out there hanging, uh, including when we get stuff wrong, which does happen from time to time. And if you, are of the nature to want to yell at us on the internet about it, you should check out our Patreon that show That song's first. an E! That, that song's not an F! That's right. We realize it. We you caught it. Check it out on Patreon first, and usually, and if we didn't catch it there, then you can yell at us. That's but otherwise, right. don't yell at us. Give us a makeup. That's right. Um, but yeah, so if you want to do that, go to patreon.com slash greatsongpod, and you can hit us up on all the socials, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, and even TikTok at greatsongpod. We're not like fully invested in TikTok yet, but we're on there. Uh, okay. We're going to go to this interview with Billy freaking Sheehan, uh, and collect ourselves. And then we'll be back at the end to tuck you in. This is the great song podcast. Hey, Billy Sheehan. What's up, man? JP over here. Rob over there. Can you hear us? Okay. I sure can. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Doing great. I wanted to make a, uh, a, um, Sergeant Pepper's, uh, Billy Shears intro for you, but I just ran out of time. I uh, big, <laughs> but, when I when I was a kid, it blew my mind. Oh, I bet it did. Like, <laughs> are they gonna like the first time you heard it? You're like, what in the world? Holy cow! I said my name. <laughs> <laughs> Hendrix said my last name in Little Wing when he says, "When I'm sad, Sheehan comes to me." <laughs> That's awesome. It happens to all of us. <laughs> I wanted to be. I wanted to be like, who's Hendrix? But I got that over my shoulder, so that kind of gives that away. <laughs> How'd the master classes go yesterday? It was great. I got another one today, so uh, okay. it's uh, another full full day of uh, master classing. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and you're doing like one-on-one, right? Is that right? Yeah, sit down one-on-one, and they videotape the whole session and uh, professionally ph- photograph it, and I got a bunch of my bases there. My double neck, the, the wife is there. Uh, a couple others, and uh, so it's so. Actually, one guy if he flew in, so he couldn't bring a bass, so he he did the class on my original P bass, my the wife bass. Yeah, that's oh, awesome. I gotta play that one. What that's a story cool. that guy walked. Dude, in, that's man. great. That's awesome. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are here with one and only rock bass, rock musician legend, Billy Sheehan, joining us on the Great Song Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us, Billy. You are too kind. Thanks very much. <laughs> Man, it's pleasure to be here. I, I, I'll start this. I'll start the conversation this way. Um, my cousin, Brian, who was a few years older than me, was always like my cool cousin. Uh, he was blew my mind as a bassist when I was like maybe 11. He had his fingers flying all over the place and he had this weird detuner on his bass. And, you know, it's one of the first times I completely like had my mind blown as a musician. I'm like, what is this you're doing? And he's like, have you heard of Billy Sheehan? It was like, it was like he was evangelizing me. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Billy Sheehan has a wonderful plan for your life. And, uh, but like your influence on him had what turned out to be an incredibly profound influence on me. Uh, so wow. I just want to say thank you for that because it's really, I mean, it really kind of turned my life upside down as a musician. Oh, that's quite an honor. Thanks very much. It's uh, it's amazing to see uh, uh, now with social media, you get can hear from everybody all the time. And I respond to most everybody that writes or comments, even though it is a quite a gargantuan task to do so. <laughs> but it's amazing to see how, uh, and uh, th- this goes out to all musicians, you know, when you put something out there, uh, how it affects people. Uh, later on, uh, it's, it's, it's quite fascinating and uh, quite uh, 
quite touching to see how many people uh, listen to what you do and uh, listen to your songs and your music or come to your shows or whatever and uh, what what it does. Because I know as a fan, it's done that to me, you know, when I've seen uh, players that I, I really love that changed the course of my life in many ways. So uh, to, to be to be one of those that might do that for someone else is quite an honor. Yeah, let's talk about one of those. You posted a picture just the other day, I think from the first concert you ever attended, which was uh, Hendrix in Buffalo. Tell us tell us a bit about seeing Hendrix as your first concert. Yeah, I'd never gone and uh, I was with a friend of mine and we you know, we didn't ride buses too much to get and I never really went to downtown Buffalo except as a little kid to see Santa Claus. <laughs> so we, you know, we got on the buses and we're figuring out our change to what what transfer we should make to get down there and we walked in finally into the auditorium in buffalo new york and uh, soft machine was on stage playing already and they had a huge white sheet that hung from the ceiling of the auditorium all the way down to the stage and this huge projected amoeba image was on it swirling and and uh, i remember we're saying to each other it smells like some, some this rope burning somewhere. <laughs> what the heck is going on? What does that smell? You know, and, uh, and it was, uh, uh, of course, it was a uh, uh, marijuana smoke. We had never smelled it before, and uh, we so Hendrix came on stage and he walked up. The show started. People went, people went wild, but they were still so curious. They didn't really know what to do yet. And he just stood with his two feet on the base of the microphone stand. And played fire. So he wasn't moving around or jumping. He's just, you know, it's just has his guitar, microphone there. And then when he got to oh, move over, over, let Jimmy take over. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then he jumped back and, and the whole place. Ah. <laughs> Everybody went crazy. It was amazing to see. And he was just incredible. The original experience with Mitch Mitchell and all Redding. And it was a life changing experience. The next day, things looked different. You know, things were, uh, things were, uh, uh, it was a, a way of uh, expanding our, our understanding of how the world worked completely. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Technicolor the next day. Just <laughs> yeah. Everything oversaturated. And <laughs> Pretty what wild. Did, what did it cost to see Hendrix in? What year was that? 68 $2.50. Oh, my <laughs> word. That's... Do you still have the ticket stub? <laughs> that would be amazing. I No, but I had, I had the uh, ad from the newspaper – uh, you know, taped up in my in my room. I had a bunch of posters in my room. I lost that, but you know, I didn't even think of of keeping the ticket stub at the time because we didn't know these things would be of any value later. You, you never know. It's funny. Yeah, that's awesome. But pretty great. <laughs> well, I guess since you picked up a base, let's talk about customizing bases, adding a neck pickup and additional support for the bolt on the neck uh, that you play. Talk a little bit about why you do that and how that started and and why. Well, I'm a bit of a home handyman, and my dad and my brother were very mechanically inclined, and they, they were, you know, my brother could do just about anything. Uh, you know, the streetlights are out. Oh, hold on a second. You know, <laughs> he, he, he figure out anything, you know. And my dad was very much like that, too. So I had a whole, you know, a little workshop in our house. And then I took a woodshop class in high school, which was really a great class. It really, uh, I've, I've probably saved tens of thousands of dollars uh, from what I learned in that class. Uh, so when I got the base, I just kind of automatically right away, it was sacred and untouchable. Then I realized, you know, it's, it's, it's wood and you can change it and add to it or whatever. 
And I love the sound of that Gibson bass. It's deep, low end, uh, neck position pickup of the EBO basses. Uh, it's uh, Jack Bruce used one. Uh, the bass player for Chicago used one. Uh, Paul Samuel Smith and the Yardbirds, he had one on his Epiphone Rivoli bass. And uh, that was the first bass I got while I was waiting for my P bass to, to show up for the music store. They gave me that, the Epiphone Rivoli, uh, in the meantime. Uh, and then my bass came in. I went went and got it. So I got to play through that. And I really loved that sound. So I thought, hey, there's room for it on this thing, you know, right up in this area. So I, I uh, popped it in. I didn't know how to wire it. So I just wired in a second output and uh, used two chords. Because uh, I didn't so cool. I don't want to do a stereo chord because it's sort of hard to find stereo jacks. If you're in Elmira, New York at 12 midnight, you're not going to find a stereo jack if you need one. So uh, <laughs> so I, I, it later on became a, a thing visually for people. It, unintentionally, they see two chords coming out of that. Oh, man, unbelievable. It's two chords. It must be twice as powerful. You know? <laughs> no, no, but let them, <laughs> let them think that. That's okay. And I, I just went on. Uh, the, I saw Tim Bogert on the back of the Beck Bogert Napacy record, and he had what I thought was a P bass and a Tally neck. Turns out Fender made that. That was a P bass. They just cut the headstock like a Tally headstock. So I found a 68 Tally bass. At the time, it was quite easy, and they weren't expensive, 200 bucks. They're, they're, I don't know, about $5,000 now. Uh, and took the neck off it and put it on there so I could look like Tim base and uh and it was a great neck it was a big giant fat thing so it was just just really beefed it up and it was uh that base it's in my car right now because it's going to go to the uh, master class or i'd show it to you but uh it's been plenty of photos about it and i i've uh, posted it's been on magazine covers and things like that so it's a quite an iconic instrument in many people's eyes i'm glad to say but uh yeah that was my and that was with me right up until the first mr big uh tour in japan i think maybe in japan uh, or maybe the second tour there and uh but i still continued to use the p bass for a long time and then eventually i retired it and went well with all the yamaha attitudes the neck is modeled after the 68 uh, tally neck so it's it's pretty much the, the way that bass was only it has one extra fret at the top okay. uh, so the highest note is an E, which is real handy in rock and roll. That is handy. Yeah, it's always <laughs> nice to have that E up top. And now you've got the 30th anniversary Attitude Bass, which is just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, that's over there. That uh, They did a great job. They only made 30 of them, though, because they were sold out right away. And I only have the prototype, so I never got, even got one. So Really? The prototype? Okay. All right. That's cool. <laughs> that's cool. Well, uh, let's, you, you mentioned Mr. Big, so let's, let's switch over there for a minute. Um, you know, obviously to be, uh, to be with you is, is like the, the hit that most folks in the U S associate Mr. Big with. Um, and I know you guys have had a, a basically a whole other like side to Mr. Big in Japan and, you know, a, a whole different audience over there. But, um, but here in the States, what changed for you, uh, like you personally and, and for Mr. Big as a band when to be with you took off, was it kind of a gradual thing or something more like an overnight change? It was pretty overnight. We were on tour. I forgot with who. And um, we had run the course. And we thought we put out three or four singles. And nothing really caught fire. Uh, even though later on, those songs were are in, we play them in concert. And you know, Green Tennis, 60's Mine. Uh, uh, um, I think Lucky This Time was one of the singles as well. And uh, some DJ in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, John Terry was his name started playing to be with you 
and people started responding and and the radios used to judge things by what kind of phone uh, requests they got and uh, what the sales were at the store. So at the time, Atlantic Records and their infinite wisdom, they didn't think it was real. They thought we had friends of ours in Lincoln, Nebraska, calling the station and going to buy the record in the stores. Oh, and then when they told us that, I thought, you mean we could have faked it? Right. <laughs> we, we now that we, we would have done that six months ago. <laughs> Put that thumb on the scale. Come on. <laughs> exactly. So, but it was real and it started going and spread from city to city all over the place, all over the country. It's get up in the top 30, top 20, top 10. And then we're Michael Jackson and uh, some other huge band, I forgot, a huge iconic uh, band, were ready to jump into the number one spot. And Mr. Big jumped ahead of both of them and got into the number one. Uh, so we pushed, pushed them out of the number one uh, position or the possibility of a number one position. <laughs> and I would often say to my friends, hey, you want to start my car for me? <laughs> in other words, in other words <laughs> a car bomb would have been in, in, a, yeah, in there yeah, waiting yeah. for me. You're in shark-infested waters once you're in the top ten. You know, it's a, anything. They'll <laughs> cut, cut anybody's throat to get ahead. So, so, but we were there for three weeks. So, which was, uh, uh, you know, maybe one week you could have said, "Ah, it was a fluke." Two, eh, it was a long fluke. But three weeks at that point, they had to give it up and give us a, 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 a pat on the back. And everywhere we went, our life was changed. We get on an airplane to fly somewhere, and the Flight attendant, oh, are you guys in a band? We go, oh, yeah, yeah. We go, What's the name of the band? Oh, Mr. Big. Oh, I never heard of it. I'm the one who, oh, you're kidding me. Who was up the first class and bring yeah. us free drinks? And uh, the pilot would come off. out and shake our hands. Yeah. It was uh, incredible everywhere we went. And it wasn't, uh, it gets kind of cliche that it's Japan, but uh, we, we played for 100,000 people on the beach in Brazil as a headliner. Holy uh, there, at one point, there were four Mr. Big cover bands in Italy, uh, yes. Germany, uh, all over South America, uh, and all over Southeast Asia, too. Korea, Thailand. I got more mail from Indonesia than anywhere in the world. And, uh, do, you, do you remember a name of any of the cover bands? Were there any that were really good? Band? Uh, I don't recall. That's a good question. I, I, I probably could look it up, but... <laughs> Our favorite was uh, there was a Dire Straits cover band in Italy, and they went with the clever name Italian Dire Straits. Brilliant, brilliant. You see? You instantly knew exactly what they were. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Last I heard, there was kind of no uh, kind of clear path forward for Mr. Big after Pat Torpy passed away. Is that still the case? Uh, Not sure. We may want to do something. Possibly uh, there's. There's a couple of rumors about maybe next summer. We need a. Uh, we had a drummer that sang to replace Pat, but he didn't have quite the range that Pat did. Pat had a, a really great and a high voice, and he was great, Matt Starr. But uh, we need we need a, a stronger because our harmony is the thing. And it was me, Pat, and Paul that did all the three part, and then Eric would sing over us or along with us. And uh, so we were able to do like as covered songs. Uh, in some of our shows, uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Three Dog Night songs, and things yeah. like that. So we had a lot of harmony. And, of course, uh, Green Tennis, Succeed Mine, and as well as To Be With You, and Just Take My Heart, the heavy harmony songs. You know, so we, we need that. That So uh, there's a couple guys we're, we're, we, we we're considering uh, for uh, uh, singing drummers, one in particular. I can't uh, don't want to say anything about it now, but uh, we're hoping to play again because, you know, we miss each other. We're all good friends, and we get just get hit all the time to come out and play 
uh, some more, you know, it took us a while after we lost Pat though. You know, it was a, that was a, that was a tough one. He was my closest musical band friend I've ever had, you know? So it was, a, it was very sad. And he's just a great guy and an incredible drummer. But, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll honor him. If we, yeah. if we do go out, we'll make sure somebody that can really do do his finesse on the drums and sing accordingly. Yeah. Well, let's talk about what, what, is going on right now and that would be the new talus album uh 1985 uh which uh you guys were so kind to send us a copy of uh in advance so we've gotten to enjoy the whole thing um right. what what made the right what made right now the, the the right time to sort of bring that back and, and do the new album well nothing in particular but i'm glad we did it at that time because we managed to get it in before uh sadly we lost phil uh not to get too uh, uh down uh, on on your show but uh Soon after the record was done, uh, Phil passed away. Uh, so I'm glad we did start it when we did. We wouldn't have been able to to to, to complete it. Uh, and and for Phil's legacy, that's that's you know when we first did the record. We want to do it because we back in '85. This is what we were doing. You know, it all ended when I went with David Lee Roth. So I go back and celebrate what we had. We had two ways of doing the record: to do it the modern, uh, beefed up, modernized version, or do it like we used to do in '85. So let's do it. Let's get on the time machine and go right back. Yeah. So we were excited about that. So losing Phil, it became kind of a, more of a, a legacy to him than 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 that. But still, both factors are in play. Uh, and he sang his off. Uh, he was just great, uh, in spite of shouldering the knowledge that he was in big trouble with his health. Uh, so initially, uh, we uh, just we played a, some show for charity, and everybody went nuts. And we thought this was easy. Let's do some more shows. And then hey, that was easy. Why not do the songs we're doing in the shows, which is our same set list from '85. Let's record it, and we we did, and uh, it was it, it was really a joy. The whole project, and uh, I'm very pleased we finally gave the proper treatment to all those songs, which are that was our set back in the day. Uh, pretty pretty uh, nostalgic in a way, but just a lot of fun. They're just, all those guys are great people, so we we had a blast. Yeah, me and Rob were talking before, like our probably the one that we, we love, Crystal Clear, off that. Not just because you're a three piece with a vocalist, but it was I was telling him it gives me kind of like police vibes with a little bit more thickness. It's awesome, I love it. And and we were talking like I have to be selective because I have we have a page of stuff and I've gotten through one question and we have seven minutes. So I'm like, be smart, Mosier. But uh, I got. You're, you've got legendary solos over the year, but my favorite was your G3 2005 with Vi with the when y'all played each other's guitars. Oh, me, right. me and Rob were at that show on that right. leg of the tour when you were here. So um, obviously there's – I don't know which one to talk about, but you touched on your time with David Lee Roth, so I guess we should probably lean into that a little bit. Um, I shot- see what you did there. <laughs> to, the, to the alternate 1985 time. That's right. That's good. So, uh, so Shy Boy, that was on an original Talus project. Um, how does that work about bringing that to to David? I mean, I know it was on, um, you know, Sink Your Teeth Into It. My favorite track off that is actually Hicktown. But, oh, nice. Um, I, love I, I, dude, I love that. It doesn't resolve. The fast start, steady groove is good stuff. How does the process of bringing Shy Boy to David Lee Roth, how does that look? Well, uh, he heard the song. He came out to a couple of shows we did on that last Talos tour. I wasn't allowed to tell anybody anything. And so, what am I doing? Lee Roth is here. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> At the beginning of the tour, we had had a meeting and decided uh, I was going to 
fly to LA after the tour was done and start a band with them. So I couldn't even tell the guys in the band. It was a state secret. So I just, it was a, it was a odd situation to be in, but he heard the song and he liked it and he chose it. So I thought, great. We changed the, the key for the solo and added a few things that Steve and I did together. Uh, but basically it was the, the same song. He, he liked it and I'm glad he did. And I'm, and, uh, very pleased to have that on the record. That's for sure. And my time with Dave was just uh, amazing. It was, uh, he was the king of the world at the, that time coming off of 1984 Van Halen. Uh, and, uh, we had a riot. It was, uh, that tour was a legendary blast. We had so much fun on that tour. And, uh, Steve and I uh, created a friendship that lasts to this day very strongly, as, along with Greg Bissonette as well. Yeah. You guys seem to just so, fit together. I mean, you and Steve just seem to like, you know, just have It works really well. Oddly enough, uh, when I, when I, we had so many odd things in common. And this I didn't find out until uh, uh, not that long ago. Uh, he, he grew up uh, on a street called Fairfield. In, uh, near New York City, Carl Place, New York, near New York City. And in Buffalo, I grew up on a street called Fairfield. Also, no <laughs> had the same street name. But, uh, and I just did the Vi Academy, which is a guitar like summit with Steve that I did with Steve. Nuno was there, uh, Tommy Emmanuel, a bunch of people, really, really great, uh, uh, players and just sold out, uh, uh, event and we had a riot again. We got up and played uh, Shy Boy. Somebody took an uh, iPhone video of us at Soundcheck, making sure we remembered the Whittley part at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit complicated, and we did. And they posted. There's a and within a day or so, it was like three hundred thousand views on it. it. Was pretty cool. So we're, we're really honored that so many people got off on that project and that band. And uh, I, I hear about it almost every day. It's funny. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's one of those sort of landmark things to look back on. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't know oh, if sure. everybody realized what a what an incredible uh, moment that was going to be. You know, at the time, but now looking back on it, you go, "Holy cow, this band!" <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty pretty awesome. I just found uh, the hard drive with. I have a pro shot uh, a video of that show. Really? I don't know anybody else that has it. And uh, the audio isn't great, but the it's it's a full shot of multi camera shoot of the show at the Capitol Center in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, near Washington D.C. And so uh, I, it's not mine, so I can't do anything with it. So <laughs> if the boss says he wants it, I'll be glad to give it to him. That's right. There you go, dude. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yankee Rose and Going Crazy are fantastic. I did have a Going Crazy question. I know I don't have much time, but um, on the video where you pick up Steve by his hair, the does he <laughs> actually play the guitar left handed on that solo section? I don't know. Okay, okay, it's a reversed <laughs> image. Yeah, we, that's one thing Steve and I and Greg uh, discovered that uh, anything's legal on a video. You yeah, know, I was like, holy a, cow. There isn't a committee over in the corner saying, hold on a second, that, that looks like you didn't actually play that part. <laughs> <laughs> and no, and so a lot of people were surprised to find that you don't perform in a video because in order to have audio and record at the same time would be a gargantuan task. It would take forever. Yeah. Uh, so you just go in there and lip sync the parts, and that's pretty much standard operating procedure for everybody unless it's a live show for real and then you're actually playing but uh, and dave was of course the grandmaster at that medium and uh was amazing <laughs> sure. to work with but listen as as brilliant as all you guys are it would shock nobody for you or steve to be like oh no i really did flip it upside down yeah left-handed for that <laughs> <laughs> we did some pretty uh you know i looked back at the uh, video footage and uh and you gentlemen mentioned the uh 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 
the guitar playing each other's guitars, we did, which we did also at Crossroads there, Clapton's yeah. Festival in Texas, and uh, reaching over and, and playing different notes and things like that. It was a uh, at the time we didn't think a lot about it technically. We did it; and it was funny. It, but later on, when it came out on video and people saw it and all the comments, it was it had seemed to have quite an impact. It's pretty pretty amazing uh, uh, that uh, the way people responded to it. And we, we we always had a blast too. It was a, a key element of all those shows. That we, we that those laughs were all real. We were having a That's ride. That's good. Yeah, it definitely comes through. Um, going well, back to the New Talus project for a moment. Uh, sure. So the the last track on the album uh, is all you. It's like a beautiful you know solo piece. Um, and, uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. What goes into creating particularly a solo piece like that for you? Well, just, um, just kind of, uh, picking up a bass and starting to move around and seeing what sounds right and what's appropriate. And the, the, uh, title of the track looks like a bunch of numbers, but if you turn it upside down, it's for Phil. Yes, like JP that. clued me on in that. I was like, I think maybe this is a misprint. It's back in the day on, on the Syncretion of that record. My bass solo on there was NV43345, which is Shin upside down. <laughs> so we kind of kept with that tradition to some degree and wanted to honor Phil as best we could. But yeah, just kind of uh, when you're composing a piece or writing a song, you just kind of let nature take its course and see what kind of works and move around and I'm lucky to have played for uh, about 55 years now as I've been playing okay. uh, so I've got a lot of vocabulary to pull from from all the songs I've played and shows I've done and copy tunes I've learned which is probably many many hundreds so you you know you start to pull from from those things and uh, it comes together somehow uh, it's funny when I look back on things of, of that nature I, I don't really know how it happened it just kind of we just kind of let nature take its course. And yeah. of course I was so glad to be able to do something for Phil and in his honor. Yeah. Well, that's well, great. Well, well, Bill, you've been, so, we want to be respectful of your time. I got to pitch Rob. We, we have to have you back. Cause we got to talk about Niacin. We got to talk about winery dogs. That's, uh, Rob, do you want to pitch one question? Then I'll ask the last one that I ask everybody. Okay, pick pick your right. favorite one that's left. Okay. This is all right. This, if I get one more question, this is it going back to one more, one more question about uh, David Lee Roth. Cause the, the sore thumb for me with, with Roth has always been his penchant for that sort of like um, Vegas style Dean Martin kind of showmanship. Right. I, I call Dave yeah. the, the world's most successful pageant kid. Um, and uh, like <laughs> his kind of crooner tendencies have just never really jived with me fully in light of his like legit rock chops. I mean, the guy's a rock monster. Um, and so those things have always like been a little bit out of balance with me. When you were part of putting the albums you did with Dave together, was that ever a discussion among the band, that sort of disparity of styles clashing? Or were you just guys like, that's Dave? We just kind of rolled the dice and what came up. I just read Ted Templeman's book and he talked about uh, doing the Eat em and Smile project and talking about working with Dave in the early Van Halen days as well. And uh, I love Dave's voice. Uh, I, a few years ago, somebody put out just the track from Running With The Devil, just the vocal. Yes, he vocal. And I was, Ooh, ah, I was just screaming, screaming and yelling. And I think initially they put it out as kind of a, a way to like mock Dave with all his noises. But when people heard it, they, for real, without the band, you could hear him 
really distinctly, man, he was right on his, yeah. his timing and his pitch. And I, I, I loved his, his, uh, his voice very much. Ice cream man. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, so, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I recommend that book highly Ted Tubman's book. He talks about all the early Van Halen years and, and working with Dave and, and, uh, Steve and I, and Edmund smile very, he was very, very kind to us. Uh, but yeah, Dave was, a uh, yeah, we, we let Dave be Dave. Was, <laughs> that's what that's what he does best, and uh, God bless him for it. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, there's only one of them. That's for sure. That's for sure. Well, Billy, we ask one question to everybody. Let's say you're on tour, either doing Talis stuff, or you're doing Winery Dog stuff, or you're doing nights and anything. You go into a gas station. What is your gas station snack food of choice? And while you're thinking of yours, I'll tell you mine. I would get a, a Three Musketeers bar. When I was growing up, my mom would say you could have any candy bar you want, and that's the most ounces. So I get a Three Musketeers bar. What's your gas station snack food of choice? Interesting. There was a thing that was called Beaver something. Beaver Nuggets? Yeah, Beaver Nuggets. Shut up. That's Martin Johnson's favorites from yeah. the night Oh, games. I swear to God. I just discovered them on one of our last tours we did in the USA, maybe on the Winery Dogs. I'm not sure. Uh, new Winery Dogs record is finished and mixed and mastered. With, oh. And, uh, oh, that's, that's good, okay. too. Teaser uh, among teasers right there. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the Beaver Nuggets. And I remember I went online to look them up and said, you can buy these online, too. So if there's a gas station that doesn't have them, I could get them. But they're a little little heavy on the sugar, which I try to avoid. But, man, they were so good. I, uh, <laughs> if you ever see a Bucky's gas station, you can yeah, get Beaver Nuggets at Bucky's every yeah, time. Right so there's, there's your hint. <laughs> right on. we got a few of those in this area, I know. <laughs> yeah. Great. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a tr- truly, I mean, a, r- a real pleasure and an honor. Oh, you're very kind, both of you. Thank you very much. And let's do it again soon. you you got a way to get in touch with me. Uh, I'm uh, I'm around in general, so uh, text me when you've got an idea for a time, and we'll we'll, we'll roll again if you like. I'd be Absolutely, happy. dude. We it. would love it. That sounds awesome. Round yeah, two with Billy. You. Thanks, man. Talk to you <laughs> soon. Thanks, you guys. We'll All see right. you soon. Absolutely. Right. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. This is The Great Song Podcast. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was the greatest rock bassist of all time <laughs> on the great song podcast. That's right. That was Billy Sheehan joining us. And, uh, we're going to take him up on round two. That's that right. is for sure going to happen. We just don't know when, but that's definitely happening. Maybe when this new winery dogs album drops, we can have him back on or something. Um, but, uh, just so cool. You guys, we said it. I'm not going to belabor the point. We love you guys. We love the show. We love each other. I love ringing this bell. When I get stuff right, it's just great. It makes me feel so good. <laughs> JP, when I came in to record today, had me a pack of vintage New Kids on the Block trading cards. Uh, it's just everything is great. Happy five years. Yeah, happy we, we, we years. got each other gifts. Rob got me a new yeah. pod mic that I'm yeah. excited about, an interface. Come on. We're going to see John Petrucci. Yeah, as we another are. gift. So there's Dang. a little, uh, another little thing there. So all Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So uh, anyway, we'll see you guys next week with another amazing song. Until then, I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music.